Psalm 13, verse 1. David says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. We're just going to stop right there. I also wanted to read this. David said in Psalm 30, he says, Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. And looking at what we read in the Psalm there, 13, those first three verses, and we could find something very similar to this throughout the Psalms. Okay? But we're going to talk about this this morning. Sometimes, I would say oftentimes, in the lives of of a, in the life of a believer, it seems to us that God is absent. Isn't that what you gather from? David, will you hide yourself forever? You know, how, how long will you forget me forever, Lord? Now, we know God didn't forget David, but it seems that way to whatever he was going through at that time. And that's why I said sometimes, and I will qualify that and even say oftentimes, in our lives, it seems to us that God is absent. It seems that He's missing in action, so to speak, that He has withdrawn Himself from us. And it's in our very hour of need. It's in our very uh, time where we need Him the most. It seems to us that our God is actually hiding His face from us. Like David said, Thou didst hide Thy face, and I was troubled. Seems that way to us. It seems to us, to be honest with you, contrary to all the Scriptures we know, in moments like that, it's more often than, than not, it seems like, to us it's as though He's not very near. We talk about the nearness of God, the, the fact that He'll never leave us or forsake us. Lo, I'm with you always, in, even to the ends of the, the world. But it seems at moments like that that He's not near, that He's not a very present help in trouble. And this is very hard, isn't it? I believe that you know what I'm talking about. This is difficult for us. We're God's children. Why would it be like this for us? We're His children. We're not God's enemies. We're not strangers to the Lord. We know the Lord. And we love the Lord. And we know He loves us. But it's very difficult for, for us at times like this. That we're God's children. And yet, uh, it's often God, our Heavenly Father. If we're His children, He's our Father. It's often our Heavenly Father's most choice means to work in our lives. Where it seems like He hid His face from us. Where it seems like He's not near. And yet, that's often His choice means to work in our lives. To work in the lives of His children whom He loves with an eternal and steadfast love. So we understand it. We know it. I could ask you, does God love us with the perfect, eternal, steadfast, unconditional love? Yes. Is His name Emmanuel, God with us? Yes. But there are times in your life, there are times in David's life, there are times in my life where He doesn't seem to be. That key word there, seem. Doesn't seem to be a very present help in trouble. Lord, where are You? Where are You right now? I need You right now. David experienced this. All of God's children will experience this. There's no question about it. If you belong to God, you will experience this or you're experiencing it right now. Uh, it's God's means, often His choice means, to 
to do the work in our lives that he desires to do. And he is making us what he saved us to be. And it's those times like that is a key part of his school. The school of Christ, so to speak. The school of God. It's part of his education. And it's not written in a textbook. It's experience of life. It's a walk with God. It's a walk of faith. It's experiences that you actually go through. It's dry seasons in your life that you actually go through. It's prayers that are delayed and being answered that you actually pray and that you go through. And this is God's choice means of making us what He's called us to be in Christ, what He saved us to be, and drawing us into a nearer walk with Him. A deeper communion with Him. Now I'm not going to ask you to turn to these Scriptures. I have like six Scriptures. Just real quickly, because we talked about is this common? Is that just an unusual thing? I don't believe it is unusual at all. So I'm going to read from the Psalms a few more Scriptures. David cried out to the Lord. He says, uh, he says, for in, thy, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. He goes on to say, hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. He goes on to say, Why boastest thou, thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. The tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. Another scripture, How long, Lord, Wilt thou hide thyself forever? That's not the one we read in Psalm 13. This was another one. I could have, I could have found more and read more, and you could find more, but I wanted to stop right there. He seems, it seems to us, David is a man after God's own heart. David knew what it was meant to worship the Lord, the psalmist of God, right? Singing and playing on his instrument, singing to the Lord and meditating on God and wrote most of the 150 Psalms. And we know much about his life, his ups and downs. But God, not David, God calls him a man after my own heart. And he made a covenant with David and said, somebody from your seed is going to sit on the throne of David forever. That ultimately is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But still, we know God's love for David. We know God's uh, blessings for David and how we exalted him to take him from being a shepherd to being king. But there were times in his life when he felt like God was hidden from him. How long, God, are you going to leave me hanging like this? Where are you? God allows his people to go through things like this. It's not a cruel torture. It is a, it is a school. It is a training. The Bible says God has chosen to uh, refine us through the fires of affliction. We've heard a lot of sermons on afflictions and adversity and going through trial and, and trusting God. Well, this is another one. But it, this is specifically on when it seems that God is hidden from us. It seems like we can't get to God and find Him and we need Him. Lord, I needed You yesterday. I need You right now and I can't seem to find You. 
Is he AWOL? Is he missing in action? Is he still the God that he promises to be? Absolutely. He is still that God. So why would the Lord let us go through things like that where it seems, again, that's the key word, it seems to us that he's absent. I want to read this quote from Andrew Murray. I thought it was wonderful. He says, The Lord is a God that often hides himself. He desires to be trusted. He is often very near without us knowing it. He knows his own. Though he tarry wait for him, he will surely come. And so he says this is often. This is just the experience of another believer. Andrew Murray's no more or less in a sense than another believer. But he knew that. We read it from the Scriptures and we know it from our own personal experiences in life. There is an appointed time. And that's what we have to understand. God in His sovereignty. God in His omniscience. God in His wisdom. God in His love has a set time for things. David wasn't uh, uh, serving as king when he was 15 years old. I don't know how he was when he was anointed king, but he didn't take the throne when he was a little shepherd boy. He took the throne many years later. God has an appointed time. We don't always realize it. In fact, most of the time, I would say rarely do we realize it because He withholds that from us while He's making us what He's called us to be. It says in Habakkuk 2.3, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So I'm going to relate that not only to the vision Habakkuk's talking about, but also to God Himself. What He has set for our lives, you personally, He deals with individual people. Okay, What He's doing in your life, it might be in a different time schedule than what you envision for your life. What He's doing in your life, it may be in a, it probably is on a totally different time schedule of what He's doing in my life. There are things he's, there's things He's doing corporately in us as a body. And I thank the Lord for that. But there are specific things He's working in each of us in His four-appointed time. And God has a time. He has a... He's dealing with us. He's, he's maturing us. He's preparing us. And it's for a specific time. David came into the throne at a, at a certain time. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just using him for an example. There was a lot between his birth and a lot between him even being anointed by Samuel when he called him out of the, the shepherd fold, right out of the fields, and anointed him to be king. A lot took place. Many years passed and a lot of experiences and ups and downs and heartaches and sorrows and trials and, and tragedies happened between that day and him, him becoming king. We're going to find that in our lives that Lord, the Lord is dealing with us and though it, it seems as though He's hidden His face from us and that He seems that He's missing, He is not. And I love the way um, Andrew Murray said it. He said, the Lord often hides Himself. He desires to be trusted. He's often very near without us knowing it. I would say He's always very near. But oftentimes we may not know it. Okay? The Bible says, now faith is things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. This is a, a faith message. This is a faith walk. This is, this is walking in accordance to God's Word and holding on to the promises of the Lord even when everything in our life says is contrary to it. 
everything in our life seems contrary to it. God has a plan. David said, Thou didst hide thy face and I was troubled. It's actually what I titled this sermon. God hid his face and I was troubled. I can tell you this, that it troubles us when God seems hidden from us. It troubles us. It's a trouble. Now for a lost person, he's just lost. He doesn't, wouldn't expect God to be near. But for a saved person, we know that the Scriptures and His great love for us and His faithfulness and kindness and goodness, He's going to take care of us. When we stand for Him, He'll stand for us. And it troubles us when it seems as though He's not near. It troubles us when it seems like He has hidden His face from us or covered His ears and He's not listening or not looking on our plight or our trouble. It troubles us. David said, Thou didst hid thy face and I was troubled. He seems hidden. That word hidden does not mean absent though. I mean, I looked it up when he says, you did hide your face or hidden. It means concealed. It means kept secret. It means kept closed. It does not mean absent. It does not mean absent or negligent or, or not present. Okay, that's not what it means. So it seems that he's, he's hidden himself from us. And it troubles us. It troubles us especially when our circumstances are the darkest. Amen? Because we're the people of God. We've come to learn to trust in God. We've come to learn to be dependent upon God. We're not grabbing at straws. We're not looking at the left or the right for our help. We're looking to God for our help. And I'm looking to God for help now. And it seems as though He's not helping. I can't even get a prayer through. I can't get a call through. The line's busy. It's, He's not answering. He's not picking up on the other end. It seems that way to us and it troubles us. And it troubles us especially when we're going through our greatest trial, our greatest pain, our greatest disparity, our greatest confusion. And this just adds to more confusion. And we don't understand why God would do that like He's doing. And honestly, it's not at all like we think it should be. When you're going through a trial and you want God to answer and to hear and to comfort and wrap His arms around in a very real way or bring you right out of the trial very quickly and, you know, like literally feel His arms around you. And you don't feel that. And you don't experience that. And today's just as dark as yesterday or the circumstance or darker. It's not at all like we think it should be. It's not at all like we think God should be. It's not at all like, certainly not at all like we would want it to be. But you and I have to be very careful to not get bitter against the Lord. We have to be very careful in that. Very careful. We think, I, I can use myself and we have a lot of parents here. We think, I would certainly, and if you're not a parent, you can relate to this. I certainly would not allow my children to go through something as painful as this and not help him if I could. And I'm God's child and He's allowing me to go through it and this hurts. And it's hurt for one year, two years, seven years, ten years. And we, we, I, I would certainly help my child if I could. And God's not helping me. We have to be careful not to get bitter against the Lord. We have to be careful not to become faithless and lose faith in God. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I what? Trust him. 
That's an amazing thing, right? If this God that I trust kills me, not my enemy, my God that I trust, if He kills me, I'll still trust Him. We have to be careful not to become bitter against God. He is still near. Amen? He is still near. Lord, You should have been here. I needed You. You should have been here by now and You're not here now. We have to be careful. There's nothing wrong with pouring out our complaints, so to speak, to God. We see it in the Psalms. There's nothing wrong with questioning things. But there is a line we can cross to where we begin to accuse God and paint a picture of God that is not true. That's contrary to what the Holy Ghost has revealed to our hearts about God and what the Word of God has revealed to us about Himself. We have to be careful to, to go so far we would actually accuse Him of unrighteousness. That He is wicked. He, that's what the children of Israel did, right? God brought us out into the wilderness to kill us. Not to bring us into a promised land. So He lied. He's not a good God. And He brought us out here for mischief to kill us. They sinned in their complaint. Job complained and poured out his heart. He wished he'd never been born and things like this. But I just want to read this uh, real quickly from Job chapter 1, 20 through 22. I'll just read it myself, but that's where I'm reading from. From Job 1, 20. Then Job arose. This is after all the calamities happened, one after the other. With literally in a matter of minutes, perhaps, that the reports came. And it just, bam, 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 bam. He's just knocked down literally to the dust. Okay, even a sickness in his body. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Is that what you would do? Is that what I would do? The bad news came. He, he, he fell down and worshipped God. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So we have all these chapters that follow this, where he's getting bad counsel, and he's defending himself, and he's saying, I wish God were here now, you know, and I could talk to him face to face. And and he had a lot of questions he wanted answered. He wished he'd never been born. You could say that's a complaint. I'm simply saying the Scripture said he didn't charge God foolishly. And with in all this, he didn't sin. And he didn't charge God foolishly. So we have to be careful in those times of trial. And we say, well, if I were God, I would have helped by now. I would have come to me by now if I was God. Like I would take care of my children. We just have to be careful. You're not God. And I'm not God. And I'm, He knows what He's doing. And that's where the faith comes in, right? And the trust. And I need to know, more than I know anything else, I need to know He knows what He's doing. Not just to say it and you tell it to me, but for me to be convinced of it, I need to know it. God often... Uh, this is God's way oftentimes of, of bringing us to an end of ourselves. Job was a righteous man, the Bible says. One who shunned evil, right? He shunned evil and loved God and feared God. 
And he was a just man and righteous. The Bible says that of him before this trial ever came. And yet there was a work God wanted to do in his life. This is not a sermon about Job, but there was a work. There was a tearing away of, of things, not just the physical things around him, but a tearing away in Job's own heart and mind and conceptions and ideas and things that, had, that God saw that had to be peeled away. And he, it wasn't going to be accomplished by blessing Job with more. Not at this time. It was going to be accomplished by stripping away and bringing him to a place. And God, you know through all those chapters when you read through Job, Job is not answering him. He's not. He's having to listen day after day to so-called friends who are blaming him for everything. This is your own fault, Job. That's really what, you, what, you, what you've sown all these years. You're reaping now, Job. You know what? That's not true. He gave to the poor. He helped people. He, he didn't know what his children were doing. He's interceding and offering sacrifices just in case they might have uh, sinned or said something against the Lord. He was a righteous man. And yet God saw fit to, to send him through the ringer. Unlike we see with hardly anybody could compare to this. And it was God's school. Right? To, to, and He was not answering him. That's what made the school the school. God didn't just say, okay, Job, this is going to last two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever. It's going to last this long. Uh, at the end, I'll bless you with twice as much. Uh, here's how it's going to fall out. You know, your friends are all wrong. I'll defend you. God didn't tell him any of that. He just went through it. And then God answered him. And when He answered him, it was different. God had done something in him and changed him. And he did turn his captivity around, is the way the Bible says it, and and did bless him with twice as much stuff, even children, as he had before. But he had to go through that school. That's God's wisdom. So it's not for me to say, if I was God, I wouldn't let me suffer like I'm suffering for this long. He's hidden his face from me. I'm not God. Okay? And he is doing something and he's desiring to do something. It's his way to bring us to an end of ourselves. Y'all, what's at the end of ourselves? What does he want us to find? It's the end of ourselves and then to be fully satisfied in Jesus. That is a lifelong process. It's not one trial that's going to get us there. It is a lifelong process. There are blessings and there are trials. There are mountains and valleys. There's sunshine and darkness. But it's through the trials and adversities and afflictions of life that we go through that He is working that. That's the ultimate goal of God. Our ultimate goal may be something else. We need to make this our ultimate goal. That God knows what He's doing. I need to know that He knows what He's doing. He wants to bring me to an end of myself. No confidence in myself. No love for myself. No relying upon myself. No dreams and visions that are technically my own, that I'm stripped of that. And then I'm fully satisfied with God, with His will, with His will for my life, with knowing Jesus, with having Jesus, possessing Jesus. He wants to bring me to that. And, he, and He's working through our circumstances to do that. It's, it's, it's very hard. okay, But He's doing it. And He's doing it when our circumstances are hard. He's doing it when the prayer has not been answered yet. 
He's doing it when the thing hoped for and longed for is, has not come yet. That's what he's, he's working in us. And he's teaching us something more valuable. It says in Hebrews 13, 11, 13, these all died in the faith, not having received the promises. There are people that live life and live a long time. And here are some actually. It says these men and women of faith, these all died in the faith. Hallelujah. That's how we want to die in the faith, right? Not having received the promise, promises, but having seen them afar off. Well, we can say that's heaven. And that's eternal things. And I think that's a great part of it. But maybe even things hoped for in life, they died, that they prayed for, that they died never having fully received them. And it says, they saw them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so, God loves us and He wants us to know. Here's, here's what we're talking about this morning. He loves us. Even when you're going through that. But He wants us to know that there's something of infinite more value than having your prayer request answered the moment you ask it. That's what we would all want, right? I just got sick. God, heal me. Please, Lord, bam, we're healed. Never experienced any of the symptoms hardly. We just got healed. You know, I'm lonely. Lord, comfort me. He comforts me instantly. There's something He's saying that's infinitely more valuable than having your prayer request answered instantly. There's something of infinite more value than having everything in your life ordered exactly like you want it to be. If you could write your own ticket. I want work to be like this. I want life to be like this. The kids to be like this. The family to be like this. Finances to be like that. this. Uh, whatever. Friendships. And, and you just wrote it all out. And that's what we're pleading to God for. He's saying there's something of infinite more value, value than having all your circumstances exactly like you want them. Can I tell you, as long as we're living and breathing on this earth, you're never going to have your circumstances exactly like you want them. One thing, it's a sinful world in which we live. And we're still in a fleshly body that's not uh, glorified yet. But, but above that, there, we're in school. Our whole saved life is, is the education of the Lord experiential education of experiencing God and walking through that. Well, what is it that's more of value than having our problems instantly disappear? God's saying, I'm teaching you something. You're praying to me and I haven't answered yet. You think I'm AWOL. You think I'm absent and missing in action. But I'm trying to teach you there's something more valuable than fixing your problem. Can He fix our problem? Does He fix our problems? Yes. He has many times for our lives and He will continue to and He promises to. But having Christ and being fully satisfied with Jesus alone is far greater. And you and I can have Jesus and do have Jesus when everything's not right, when, when we're praying and the prayer has gone unanswered as of yet, when it seems like God's far off, He's trying to bring us to an end of ourselves and to be fully satisfied with Him. Amen? With Him alone. So God's apparent, and I would say delay, 
Maybe it is a delay. But it's not a delay that he can't help us. It's not a delay that he doesn't care or he doesn't hear us. It's a purposeful withholding for a time. It's not forever. How long will thou hide thy face, Lord, forever? Did God hide his face from David forever? No. But when it seemed like it, when he was going through whatever he was going through, but his apparent, God's apparent delay to help us. God allowing us to, to remain in the fire of affliction another day, another month, another year, perhaps. His allowing us to stay in that is to bring us to an end of ourselves and full contentment in Christ. We must know that we have still have Jesus though in that fire. If He's leaving me in the fire another day, then He wants me to know like the three Hebrew boys, look around. See who's in the fire with you right now. All you want is out of the fire. And I'm trying to teach you something in the fire that I'm here with you. And that you will learn to be satisfied and content in that. Even if your circumstances haven't changed, guess what? Even if they never change. I'm not saying that He doesn't change circumstances and answer our prayers. He's working something more valuable than that. Even when I don't see Him, even when I don't feel Him. At times, God seems hidden. And in these times, y'all, there's nothing in our natural man. Our, not our human reasoning. Not our senses like our vision or hearing. There, in our feeling. There's nothing in the natural senses that tells us that God is even near. There's nothing. This is why we have to trust, right? There are times like this. There are times we're going through there's nothing in our natural man that can grab on. Well, at least I can grab on to this. There's nothing in our natural that, that says that God is near. Like the Israelites did uh, when things were good and when things were bad. They had a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Even if they didn't feel God, they could look out. He's still here. We're still where we're supposed to be. He hasn't picked up and moved yet. There's nothing in the life of a believer in the natural, I keep stressing that, in our natural senses, our natural sight that said, that says, God's here in your prayer. Nothing in our natural that says, God's uh, working on our behalf right now. There's nothing in our natural man that says, tomorrow God's going to hear your prayer and He's going to answer it. There's nothing uh, in our natural man that encourages us and says, you know, I can see the end in sight in the natural. You're just, today's just like yesterday. In fact, it's worse. Sickness is worse, whatever it may be. The, the depression is worse. Uh, and we don't see, there's nothing in the natural man to confirm that we're even in the will of God. Those are hard times. And yet, God is still God. He wants us to know that. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, is that just when things are going great? Is that just when I can see a pillar of fire? Is that, is that just when I pray and I can feel the Lord's presence in the room with me? Is that just when in worship service I, can, I get uh, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and I feel goosebumps? Or is it all the time? Is it when I prayed for something for 15 years and it hasn't happened yet? Yes, it's for that time too. There's nothing in my natural man 
to even tell me I'm in the will of God or God hears me. But we're not to live by that natural man. We're to live by faith. Our God is near. You say, well, I'm just as sick. The swelling is just as bad today. Uh, and I don't see anything. We're looking at our body. It's just as sick or hurting as it was yesterday. Uh, nothing. The, the, the finances aren't improving. And I've been praying for all these months or years for them to improve. There's nothing in our natural to confirm that God is hearing. And yet, He is hearing. We know it from the Word of God. We know it from the Holy Ghost. He's our comforter who never leaves us. The Lord never leaves us, forsakes us. He wants us to turn and find, like I said, who's in the fire with us and be content with Him. Lord, if You choose to never answer this prayer, if You choose for me to stay in a wheelchair till You rapture me or call me home, if that's Your choice, that we learn, I thank God I have Jesus. You know what I mean? To, to find our satisfaction in the Lord. But He is near. He does care. He's still holding us in His hands. He is still holding us by His outstretched arm. His mighty right arm. He, he has promised to, to keep us. And keep us from falling. And to never leave us or forsake us. And He keeps His promises. So this is where, like Andrew Murray says, he's, God often hides Himself. He desires to be trusted. This is why He's seemingly, He's not really gone. He is desiring to teach us something. He desires to be trusted. Guess what? He is near. He is a very present help in trouble. Though He doesn't seem like it, He is. He is near. His deliverance is coming. He is still this mighty God that He speaks of in His Word. He'll soon make His face to shine upon me. This trial will be over. Even death is an end to our trial if that would be the case. Because our next waking moment is with the Lord in heaven. He is this God. And He's mighty. I'll just read this from the Psalms. Oh God, Thou art terrible out of thy holy places, the God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Well, see, David was writing that at a time probably when he was not, didn't feel like God's face was hidden from him. But it's still the same man. It's the same God. And we need to trust him like this. You give strength and power to your people. We need to know that when it seems as though he's hidden his face from us. He's trying to teach us. And y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bringing this to, to, a, to a conclusion. But I just want to give some examples that I was thinking of as I was praying through this. Just an example. Let's say you're praying for yourself. You're sick or hurt physically or for a loved one. And you pray and they're sick. And the next day they're sick. And the next week they're sick. And the next week they're sicker. And the next day they're healed. That's how God works. You understand what I'm saying? It's nothing in the natural that says we're getting a little better here. Sometimes that's the case, but you're sick, 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 sicker, healed. And in response to that prayer, I think about naming the leper, right? Leprosy, leprosy, going down the Jordan rivers seven times. Leprosy, four, five, six times still covered with leprosy. Not a little bit better. It's not like he's, each time he's getting a little more uh, healed or cured. 
Six times he dunks in the Jordan River. There's nothing in the natural to say, I'm better. Hey, this is working. I'll do it 60, 600 more times if I need to. There was nothing in the natural that said, this is working. The seventh time he came up, he was totally healed. Flesh like a baby is set. It was restored to him whole. Do you understand my point about that? That, that in the fire, he wants us to be satisfied with him. But in the fire, he's also near to us. And there's nothing in our natural that, that oftentimes it says, hey, things are looking up. He wants us to hang in there and trust Him. Not, you know, you're praying for a lost loved one. How many in here have family members that don't know Jesus? We pray for them all the time, right? How many years some of us have been praying for a lost loved one? Now you just think about it for a moment. Okay, but think about it this way. You witness to them. They're lost today. Tomorrow you talk to them again. They're lost. Their hearts... They're, they're, they're getting angry now. Now they're, they're, they won't answer your call. They hang up the phone, right? They slam the door in your face. They're getting hard-hearted. They refuse to believe. Then they're broken and born again. That's how God does. Nothing in my natural says my brother's about to be saved and then he's saved. I'm just using that for an example. We, we pray and we trust God. Lazarus was sick the first day. He was sick and then he got sicker and then he died. And then he's dead. He's dead day number two. He's dead number three. day number three. He's dead day number four. His sisters are heartbroken. They're wailing and weeping and moaning at the tomb. His body is decaying. Then he's alive. Jesus said, come forth. Loose him and let him go. Nothing in the natural said, he's about to, he's about to come out of there. Nothing in the natural. It was worse. Sick. Sicker. Dead. 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 Decaying. Alive. This is how God works. Oftentimes, how He works. And He was trying to teach Mary and Martha something. He knew He could raise Him from the dead. He knew He was going to raise Him from the dead. The whole time. It was never a question. But He wanted them to believe. Said I not unto you, if you would believe, you'll see the glory of God. Roll the stone away. He wants us to trust Him. I want to give some more examples because I just love them myself. Uh, but Israel was waiting for their Messiah. Waiting, waiting, waiting. All these years, right? God promised them a Messiah back in, in Genesis, a Savior. And, and specifically a, a Jewish Messiah, I guess you would say, in Moses' day. And, and Abraham and then Moses. And they're waiting and waiting. And, and then the Bible tells us in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. For the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to His temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, He shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. He came, didn't He? Yes. Waited and waited and waited. And people lived and died and lived and died and never saw Him. Lived and died and they were hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping. And He came. He came suddenly into His temple. The Lord who you desire, He said, He's coming. And God keeps His promises. He's coming. He's going to do what He says He would do. Elijah, it hadn't rained for three and a half years at His Word, at His prayer, because of the sins of Ahab and the children of Israel. And then it was time for the rain to come. 
He still had to pray for it though, right? He prays one time. Servant, go look. I know you know the story. Nothing. Not a cloud in the sky. Praise again. Go servant, go look. Two times, three times. It wasn't like the little clouds were starting to build up. Well, you know what? It's starting to get a little overcast over that way. And it's kind of misty out there. It looks like some clouds are building out there. Six times. Zero. Bluebird day. I'm praying for rain. The, the earth is parched. There's a drought. Six times, nothing. There was no sign of it in the natural that it's about to rain. Seventh time, there's a cloud. That was enough. Amen? And before he could get down off the mountain, there was a, a huge um, down deluge of rain. I want to give some more. The day of Pentecost, the Bible says, leading up to that, that the 120 were in the upper room and they're praying. And they're praying for what? The promise of the Father. The baptism of the Holy Spirit specifically. You shall receive power. But tarry in Jerusalem until you're due with power from on high. He didn't say tarry one day, two days, ten days, a year and a half. Tarry until you're in due. I'm telling you, stay there till my answer comes. And I think it was about ten days afterwards. There, they were where they were supposed to be. Gathered together. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Seeking the Lord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of, a, as of a rushing mighty wind. There was no signs on the seventh and eighth and ninth day that it was getting closer. I know I'm belaboring the point, but I think it's important. Suddenly, the sound of a rushing mighty wind and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? And we could go on and on. And think about our own lives. You and I, what, what has been like a theme in our church for months and months, uh, maybe longer than that, we're praying for a deeper walk. We're praying for that breakthrough almost. We're praying for a moving in our church in power, in our own lives, a greater intimacy with the Lord, a greater power in relationship with the Lord in everything. And it seems like nothing's happening. Maybe it seems that way. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm at the altars like, like I'm supposed to be. Um, I'm living and walking uprightly before the Lord the way I'm supposed to. And, and that seems like nothing's happening. And then bam, God's going to do what He's going to do. He didn't put a hope in our hearts that He is going to leave unfulfilled. If He put the hope in our hearts and the faith in our hearts and minds to believe, hey, there's more in Jesus than what I have. I want it. You caused me to want it. You're causing me to want it more. You're causing me to want you more and more of you. He is absolutely going to fulfill that. There's going to be a mighty feeling with the Holy Ghost in our lives, in our churches, an overwhelming peace and joy in Jesus and a satisfaction in Jesus that you never thought was even possible. I pick up the Bible sometimes and I say, God, I read about these men or I read about other godly men that wrote books and things like that. And I said, they're here and experience this with you and I'm here. This is possible though for me to get where they are or were or where your word says. And so he, he's going to do that. He's absolutely going to do that. He's going to do it suddenly. He's going to give me a compassion for the lost like I've heard about like Jesus had, like, like uh, 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 Mary McShane had, where he wept over the souls. He cut it covers ears. 
Because when he heard the people walking by the streets, the footsteps of the people, and he was so concerned about all those people going to hell. And I think, I don't care like that. I just go to Home Depot and get what I want and come home. Maybe I'll hand out a track if I happen to be thinking about it that day. But is that possible to have a heart like that? It is. And I want it. And I want to tell you what I want. I want to want it. I want that in my life. And I know that you want that in your lives. There has to be more than what I'm experiencing. And I'm experiencing a lot, and I thank God for it. He's not AWOL on me. He's not leaving me. He's going to answer. He's going to come suddenly. He's trying to teach us, y'all. He's trying to teach me and all of us. Our stay in that desert, so to speak, our stay in that dry time largely depends on us, how quickly we learn, how quickly we die to ourselves, how quickly we will be content in Jesus, even if He doesn't answer our prayers. I'm not saying stop praying for healings or circumstances to change or loved ones, certainly for loved ones to be uh, their loss to be saved. We, we continue to pray for those things, but our eyes need to be open to faith. He's in the fire with me. I'm content with Him now. Wherever I am, as long as He is with me and I'm with Him, it's going to be okay. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the heartaches, whatever the situations, if I'm with Him and He's with me, even if I can't see Him, but in my heart of hearts, by faith I see Him, and I know He's near, then it's okay. And it's going to be okay. And He's trying to bring us to a, a, an experience like that. I think there's a question I'm closing. Do you can come on up. There's a question I think that we all have to answer and I'm not saying God asked it, but almost like the Lord's asking us each a question. Is it something you want or is it me? When we're praying and desperate for this or that or change this or heal my body or bless my finances or even saving a loved one or bless my ministry or, or do this for me or do that for me. Is it the, it's almost like the Lord saying, is it something you want or is it me you want? What would you want your spouse? Would you want your spouse to say, no, I just like that you provide a roof over my head and I like the lifestyle we live. I don't really want you. You understand what I'm saying? Or if your children said, I like, I like the way mommy and daddy take care of me and I have nice stuff and they're always there for me, but I don't really want them. We would think that's, that's terrible. It's not at all what that relationship should be. And it's like the Lord saying, is it something you want? You just want me to fix all your problems? Bam, write your own ticket. There you go. I fixed everything. Happy now? Go. Or do we want, do we want Him? He wants us to want Him. And we ought to want, to want Him because there's no other thing He could give us that would compare to Him. He knows that. And He wants to teach us that. So when it seems like His face is hidden from us, He's really not hidden from us. Sometimes God will give people what they're begging Him for and it's to their own loss. You know what I'm saying? The children of Israel desired meat. We're sick. Moses wasn't sick of the bread, the manna. Moses and Joshua and Caleb were 
fine with it. They were thankful for it. The children of Israel grumbled and complained. We loathe. That's the word they used, this manna. Give us meat. God can't give us meat. He gave them quail that were stacked up two feet tall. And they just had to pick them up and cook them or eat them. They were eating them raw, some of them. They were so uh, lustful. He gave them what they wanted. He said, sent leanness to their souls. It was not a blessing. Do you want something from God or do you want God? If we want God, the other things will be added to us. If we have God, to be honest with you, the other things won't matter. If we're satisfied with the Lord. Again, I'm not telling you to quit praying for the things that He tells us that are according to His will, healings and things like that. But there's something of more value. And that is being satisfied with Jesus and in Jesus. Y'all, these altars are open. And if there was ever a time to pray at the altar, this is a time to pray at the altar, y'all. He is trying to bring us to an end of ourselves and a full satisfaction in Him alone, not based on our circumstances. Thou didst hide thy face and I was troubled. It's troubling. But He doesn't want us to be troubled. I want to read this while you're coming. You come on in. Come to the altars. You make an altar where you are. Now David, the same, same David who said, you hid your face and I was troubled. How long are you going to hide yourself from me? Where are you, God? The same David said this, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. I'm continually with you. Thou hast holding me up by my right hand. Hand, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. That's this message in a nutshell. Can I be brought to a place where I can honestly say, nevertheless, Lord, You're always with me. Who do I desire but You, Lord? Father, we come before You in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray. Oh God, I'm praying for myself, Lord. I'm praying for my brothers and sisters here as well. But Lord, that we would be totally satisfied in You we would learn through the school of faith, the school of Christ, to trust You when You seem hidden, when You have delayed in answering our prayers, when the trial continues another day or another week or another month or another year and even grows worse. When there's nothing in our natural sight that says God cares or God's going to help us, that we would trust in the Almighty God who cannot lie. The same God that was with the three Hebrew boys in the fire is with us in our fire. Give us eyes of faith to see. Not natural sight, but eyes of faith to see. I pray You'd strengthen us all here today. I pray You'd grow us. I pray You'd bring us on to death to ourselves and and living to You and satisfied and content in Jesus.